Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host. So glad to have you here. Maybe this is your first time here. Either way, welcome. Today's topic is the formula for authentic recovery from borderline personality disorder or from any emotional disorder that you might personally be interested in. But before we get into that, Patricia or Patty Rigmond in Scotland and Maggie Thompson in Australia are two women who are currently harassing me and I figure we might as well just get them out in the open here and talk about this for a minute. Neither Patricia Rigmond or Maggie Thompson have my permission or are welcome to continue trying to contact me in any way. Both of them have already been aware of this but they continue to do it anyway. In Patricia Rigman's case, the emails have been constant almost daily and often two or three every day since about January. Now, it was in January that I told her specifically that I was going to block her and that she was not welcome to continue trying to contact me at all. Well, you take a big fat guess as to whether or not she has demonstrated any respect for this boundary at all. She has not, so here we are. Now, I'm sharing this with you, my audience, not just for the drama aspect of it, but because I think it could be useful to you. I want to state this as clearly and as plainly as I can. I do not read emails or messages of any sort from people who I have blocked and to whom I have expressed that they are not welcome to continue trying to contact me. Did you hear what I just said? I do not read emails or messages of any sort from these sorts of people. If I have blocked you, it's because I dealt with you in good faith and you abused that. So, is this clear? I absolutely, I don't know how many times I can say this, I absolutely do not read a single word of any message that comes my way from anybody who I have blocked or from anybody who I have expressed is unwelcome to continue trying to contact me. 
Now, maybe Patricia Rigmond in Scotland or Maggie Thompson in Australia don't believe me when I say I have not opened, peeked at, or read a single one of these idiotic emails they continue stuffing up my inbox with. But it's true. I am absolutely not reading them. I have no interest in them. I have no curiosity in what they say at all. They come into my inbox and without opening them or peeking at them or even giving them a second thought, I swipe right and they are immediately archived. So this is the lesson for my listeners. Why do you suppose that I do not read the emails these women, particularly Patricia, keep sending me? Well, let me ask you this. Does it matter if somebody I have blocked ever knows that I'm not reading their emails and messages? No, the point is not in them knowing or not. The point is this. Once I create a boundary, the boundary exists for me. Remember, I can't control other people, but I still have total control over my life and my decisions, don't I? So I have communicated clearly that Patty Rigman and Maggie Thompson are not welcome to continue reaching out to me. And there are certain steps I can take to enforce that, like blocking when possible and those sorts of things. But in the end, I can't control these women's decisions. How could I? They aren't even able to control themselves. But just because I can't control other people does not mean that I can't enforce my boundary. How is one way that I can concretely enforce the boundary that says that these women are not welcome to continue in contact with me? Remember, I can't make decisions for them to not try to send me emails. Well, the way I enforce it is very, very simple, and probably simpler than these two geniuses can imagine. I simply choose not to read anything they send me. That's the lesson. You see, I can't control them, but I can still concretely enforce my boundary nevertheless. And how do I do it? It's very simple. I simply choose not to entertain any of the garbage they send me. Shoop, one little swipe, and it gets archived without me ever having to see a single word of any of it. So I want to again reemphasize that neither Patricia Rigmond in Scotland or Maggie Thompson in Australia are welcome to continue messaging me or contacting me in any way. They're not welcome in my groups. They're not welcome on any of my social media. If there was any doubt about this, there should be no doubt about it now. I I don't want to hear from either of these two people this year. They're not welcome to try to contact me next year. They're not welcome to contact me in 10 years. I'm saying that absolutely no contact from either one of these women is welcome at all, ever, under any circumstances. And that is now on public record. Any unwelcome correspondence I continue getting from either one of them will be archived and saved for forever 
and if necessary, I will be happy to pull it out and share it with anybody I may need to share it with. It might be a lawyer, it might be a judge, it might be any number of individuals who might like to see the contents of those emails. In any situation where I may need to set the record straight, I now have an enormous bank of these dumb emails that I can pull out and and do that with. But to be clear once more, I personally am still never going to read them. But I'll be happy to let others read them if the need arises. Perhaps Patty Rigmond in Scotland or Maggie Thompson in Australia has believed that I have been speaking to them in subtle ways or dropping little hidden messages intended for them in episodes of this show or in other aspects of my work. But I want to say this as clear I also want to say this as clearly as I can. I do not spend any part of my day whatsoever thinking about either one of these two individuals at all. This is the only episode where the two of them are even remotely on my mind and it is for the specific purpose of teaching a lesson and of having their harassment on public record. Now, let me tell you about uh, The Last Symptom website. That's at thelastsymptom.com. Lots of free resources there. There's a few paid resources. For example, one-on-one phone calls with me, one-on-one Zoom meetings with me, and, of course, The Last Symptom Fundamentals course, which is an intensive approximately two-week course for anybody interested in authentic recovery from emotional disorder such as borderline personality disorder. I also want to tell you about the Last Symptom community on the Locals.com platform. Uh, That's just beautiful and uh, got lots of support. It's a real happening place. So I want to invite you there. You go to thelastsymptom.locals.com on your web browser or you download the locals.com app to your phone and you look up the last symptom every day I am now publishing something that I call daily orange slices and these are just condensed video insights that are about five minutes in length and they appear the new orange slices appear exclusively on the last symptom community on the locals platform now this week I have started publishing orange slices to YouTube so they're appearing daily on YouTube at 11 o'clock New York time but the ones that appear on YouTube on the the last symptom official YouTube channel those orange slices are approximately a month old so if you want to see if you want to keep up with them and see the the new orange slices as they're coming out, you've got to be on the locals.com platform with us to enjoy those. And, uh, you know, I'm getting better at them as time goes on. I, it was a little sketchy at first. I didn't really have a feel for what I was doing, but I, I'm, I'm starting to. And I think that the folks who have been enjoying them would agree that they're, they're getting better. As I announced last week, this show, The Last Symptom, podcast now publishes consistently on Thursday morning New York time 
at 6 a.m. So 6 a.m. every Thursday. And uh, not, not too bad for a free service. Last announcement. The Last Symptom Education Group on MeWe. MeWe is a Facebook alternative that I happen to think is superior to Facebook. But, um, you know, you can make up your mind about that. But I, I welcome you to join that education group on MeWe. You go into MeWe. You go into the groups section. And you just search The Last Symptom by Brian Barnett. All right, that's all the announcements for this week. I've got a story for you later, but for now, let's get into today's main topic. It's the cure for borderline personality disorder, the formula for authentic recovery. Now, this may be sort of redundant for some of you who have been following me for a while, but it's it'll be a good reminder. It'll be a good thing to uh, measure your approach to these things against. But also, there may be people who are hearing me for the first time, and maybe they're curious about these sorts of things. So, let's give it to them. The formula for authentic recovery. Now, it might be useful for you to pay attention to the fact that I have to say authentic recovery. We'll talk about that in a second. The cure for borderline personality disorder, and truly any emotional disorder, is an extremely simple five-step formula this formula is the true cure for borderline personality disorder no matter what anybody else ever tells you to the contrary and no matter what you ever read or hear that contradicts it or deviates from it regardless of how famous the author might be or how many followers he or she has or how many books she or he has sold I can tell you this five-step formula with complete confidence, and I will, I promise, we're getting to it. But you first have to let me set the table here with my credentials. The reason why I can tell you this five-step formula with such confidence is because I myself had borderline personality disorder, utterly unaware for at least the first 35 years or so of my life. After a crisis in which I lost everything I held dear at that time, and if you go back and you listen to older episodes of the Last Symptom podcast, you'll get the the details of that experience. But after that crisis, I was forced to first recognize that I was dealing with a disorder of some sort, and then I had to do the work to authentically recover from it. And what was my motivation? Well, I... It was just painful. That crisis was the most painful experience of my life. So the only way forward I saw was to ensure that I would never again experience the same sort of pain from the same causes. Suffering is a pretty good motivator. At least it was in my case. Suffering and loss. And so I suffered... I lost a lot, and uh, I was in excruciating inner pain, and uh, that was when I kind of had my my moment of truth, and I simply decided that the only choice moving forward was to permanently and truly rid myself of whatever had put me in that situation to begin with. 
So I'm happy to tell you that I was successful with this. I've been authentically free from borderline personality disorder, which is an emotional disorder, by the way, not a mental illness. I've been free from it for years now. The reason I can say that the majority of information you get from the most popular voices on this subject is bullshit is because authentic recovery did not happen for me in a straight line. You know, some of my critics, I I think they, they assume that it was just a straight line, that I I didn't have to explore any of these voices on the subject. I didn't have to read any of these books. I didn't have to investigate any of this. Well, that's baloney. It's total baloney. Of course I did. I had access to the same sources of of experts, quote-unquote, that you all do. So... Authentic recovery did not happen for me in a straight line. I had to explore these things at some point. I had to go through the same sorts of treatment programs that a lot of you folks have tried and that have not done anything for you either. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this show. But it was kind of like a ping pong ball or a uh, sort of like a pinball, a pinball machine. That's, that's what I'm trying to come up with. It, my recovery was sort of like a pinball machine. Dong, dong, dong. You know, the, you, you send the ball out there, the marble, and it's just kind of ricocheting off all these things, and you're trying to get it up there to the end and keep it, uh, keep it going forward. So that was kind of like what recovery was for me, a uh, pinball, pinball machine. It took me seven years, all told, and it involved a lot of investigating, analyzing, discrediting, trial and error, and lots of rumination. If you want a perfect analogy, authentic recovery, now that I think about it, was exactly, I mean almost precisely, like solving a seven-year-long Rubik's Cube you know what a Rubik's Cube is? It's those, it's those cubes that have different collars on each side. You, you screw those collars all up. You got red over here. You got yellow over there. You, I mean, it's, it, the collars are all over the place. Authentic recovery was like solving a Rubik's Cube over the course of seven years. You know, I was turning that sucker over and over in my hand and trying to get all those darn collars to align. One of the biggest hurdles to authentically rid myself of borderline personality disorder, ironically, was misinformation, misdirection, obstruction. From who? From all of the experts, quote, unquote. You know, experts in air quotes. Just consider the fact that when I talk about recovery, right, I asked you to make a mental note of it just a few minutes ago. When I talk about recovery, I have to refer to it as authentic recovery, don't I? I can't just say recovery, because if I just say recovery, you'll get the wrong idea about what I'm even talking about. Do you know why that is? It's because of the professional community as a group. They're not even capable, apparently, of accurately educating people about the true nature of what recovery is. So think about it. 
if I were to simply speak of recovery rather than saying authentic recovery, what would you assume? Well, you would assume I was talking about some never-ending process that I've simply adopted into my everyday life and that I have to keep mindfully engaged in for forever, right? I know this because before I started referring to it as authentic recovery, I got all sorts of correspondence of people clearly not on the same page as me when I talked about recovery. They thought they were thinking about maybe like somebody who has a physical dependency on alcohol or something. You know, that person has never recovered. And it's not even appropriate to talk about what they go through as recovery, in my humble opinion, because recovery is the process of recovering. And that's not what happens when you've got a physical dependency on a substance. You're never going to be recovered from your dependency on that substance once you a physical dependence has formed. So it's not really recovery. A more accurate term for it would be like um, abstinence. You know, that's that's really what we're talking about. It, it's, it ain't recovery. It's abstinence, which is a great thing, you know, because when you have a physical dependency on something, I mean, that that's the best you can hope for. But recovery from an emotional disorder, which is entirely curable, is not a reference to something that you're going to have to mindfully engage in for the rest of your life. When we talk about recovery and emotional disorder, recovery is real. Now, think about this. Nobody would ever tolerate a physical therapist, for example, suggesting that any work you do to quote-unquote recover from a car wreck will do nothing absolutely whatsoever to actually restore mobility you had before the wreck, but that you have to do those exercises for the rest of your life anyway. (laughs) Why would anybody go to the effort at all in such a case? And yet for some reason, people accept the professional community's twisted definition of quote-unquote recovery, which is not recovery at all. You see, their twisted meaning of recovery is simply endurance and coping, not recovery. Yeah, there's too many words and terms like that to list here that the professional community has hijacked and corrupted. I'll save that for another episode. But you get the idea. If the professional community as a group is not even capable of educating you accurately about something as simple as what the true nature of recovery is, think about that. They're not even capable of educating you accurately about what the true nature of recovery is. So imagine how profoundly incompetent they can be at actually helping you recover. They They can't even paint for you an accurate picture of what recovery is. How competent can they be then at actually helping you recover? When I talk about authentic recovery, I mean it in the correct sense. You are recovering 
back to the original emotionally healthy condition that you would have always enjoyed had certain influences in your life not gotten you off track. So enough delay here. I promised you the real formula for authentically recovering from borderline personality disorder that is of truly ridding yourself of the disorder permanently and uh, here it is we've come to that part of the show are you ready grab your pen and pencil here we go there's five ingredients to this formula number one hope hope number two genuineness or sincerity in approach number three accurate information or education number four insight yeah insight and number five time hope is listed first because without it none of the other parts of the formula have any possibility whatsoever of success think about going into recovery with the notion that borderline personality disorder is incurable or unfixable do you know who helps spread this totally false notion why the professional community of course who else and how do they do this they do it by offering coping strategies and other superficial exercises as their only solutions to the problem well I got news for him coping strategies and other superficial exercises aren't a solution to any problem at all they're a solution to symptoms perhaps but they never address the problem many in the professional community even outright communicate the lie that borderline personality disorder is incurable do you know that I get emails from angry people all the time telling me that I'm lying about being cured of borderline personality disorder and do you know why they they accuse me of this because they quote unquote know that borderline personality disorder isn't curable that's their proof that's the proof that I'm not cured of borderline personality disorder because somebody in authority led them to believe that it's not curable now here's an interesting thing about human beings it's that we're incapable of tapping into lasting enthusiasm and endurance for any objective that we view either consciously or unconsciously as being undoable ah think about that in order to learn another language for example you first have to think that speaking a second language is an actual possibility that exists for you at all if on some level you believe that it is not possible in meaning that no matter what you do speaking this new language is simply not ever going to really happen well then you can buy all the books in the world and study like a madman but you're never going to speak that language at any skill level that matters unconsciously believing that an objective is ultimately pointless 
means that any enthusiasm or effort that you do manage to scrape up will be fleeting. You will lose interest. You will give up. And nothing about the experience will be enjoyable for you. Authentically recovering from borderline personality disorder, or again, any emotional disorder, begins with hope. You see, a person must understand, down to his or her bones, that authentic recovery is truly possible. It is absolutely false that the disorder is incurable, or that some fake sort of artificial quote-unquote recovery is the best that one can settle for. These are lies told by people who don't know what the hell they are talking about, no matter how many certificates are decorating their walls. Number two in the formula, we listed genuineness or sincerity in approach. This one often involves hitting rock bottom, but you know that means different things for different people. In my case, Hitting rock bottom involved tremendous, permanent, life-changing, and heart-wrenching losses. But for others, hitting rock bottom may simply be any life change, such as becoming a grandma or a parent, and other things of this nature. Whatever the case, hitting rock bottom is simply anything that facilitates our shedding off an artificial, disingenuous attitude toward recovery so that we now live with a genuine interest in exploring and understanding these things for real. Do you remember what my hidden rock bottom was? It was, uh, it was pain. Pain and loss. I said, I can't, I can't ever endure anything like this again. This is too painful. I'll do anything, anything to, to address this, identify it, and fix it. So, you see, before that, before that moment in my life, it, my approach to these things were really, it was, I could have taken it or leave it, I could have taken it or left it, but um, you know, this hit and rock bottom event in my life really, it gave me no alternative. I mean, the alternative was I could experience this pain in the future or I could identify and address what had caused it all in the first place and and rid myself of it uh, how much more sincere can you get than that so imagine that you ask me a question disingenuously you know this happens to me all the time people who are not uh, genuine ask me di- disingenuous questions do you see that it doesn't matter what answer I give these people if they're not if they're not genuine, if they're asking me a disingenuous question, I it doesn't matter what the answer is. I could give them any answer because they're not really interested in the answer, you see. They have other motives. And if I tell a truth to these folks who don't want to hear don't want to hear it then they'll only use that as an excuse to fly into a rage anyway. So a person who is disingenuous cannot be helped because they're not receptive. But if, on the other hand, you ask me a question out of a genuine desire for answers, 
no matter if those answers please you or not, then you are receptive in a way that everything else in the formula can work. You see, given those conditions, even if I tell you a truth that you absolutely did not prefer to hear, you will still take it. You will still use that information to analyze yourself and your situation honestly. So genuineness or sincerity in approach is absolutely an imperative part of the formula. Authentic recovery cannot happen without it. Next, accurate information or education. Notice that I don't simply list information as being an ingredient in the formula. Why do you reckon that is? Well, you can blame the professional community again, of course. There's so much information about borderline personality disorder out there that you literally could never consume it all. And yet, the vast majority of that information is either total bullshit or there are some accuracies, but they're so enmeshed with bullshit that the book overall or the YouTube channel overall or the article overall primarily serves to obstruct and misdirect people's efforts more than it more than it helps at all just take for example the professional community's insistence on continuing to define borderline personality disorder as a mental illness and a mental health issue this is just another lie borderline personality disorder is an emotional disorder it's not a mental anything it, it has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with a malfunctioning brain some folks who have borderline personality disorder might also might also be dealing with a mental illness in addition to borderline personality disorder God knows I've not had any shortage of people reaching out to me over the past few years who don't seem to be working on all cylinders but just because I have an ingrown toenail does not mean that it's related to my migraine headaches you got it borderline personality disorder is an emotional disorder only now clearly I can't comprehensively address every single point I raise here in this single episode of this podcast but through my work with the last symptom that is the last I do address these things every day in multiple mediums and formats so those of you who are genuinely interested in having your questions answered fully can explore my broader body of work I assure you I have addressed these questions and many more fully and comprehensively and all those answers are there in my work waiting for you but the point we're making here for now is that information alone doesn't cut it information that's even subtly inaccurate can completely misdirect a person from ever truly achieving authentic recovery borderline personality disorder and all emotional disorders are already built upon subtly false thinking and perceptions 
So add on top of this information from experts, quote unquote, that subtly lies to you about the true nature of what it is you're dealing with, and you can see why this is a problem. The worst sort of misdirection is the subtle kind. That's something I hope most of you understand. It's If the misdirection or the falsehoods were loud and obvious and in your face, these would be easily identified and sorted out. But no, it's the subtle misinformation and inaccuracies that are the most destructive because they lie to you about the very nature of what it is you're dealing with and how to go about fixing it. Because of its extremely subtle nature, it goes undetected. You see, a person doesn't even realize that he or she is being misdirected. And by the time he or she figures out that uh, he or she is not getting anywhere, he or she doesn't know where to even begin making the correction. You know, they don't know where they got misdirected. In order for information to be effective in helping people authentically recover from emotional disorders, it must be accurate. Not only in big ways, but particularly, and most importantly, in even the most subtle ways. Next in the formula is insight. And... uh, Insight is so important because all of the accurate information in the world will do you no good if you can't take it and then squeeze life-altering insights out of it for yourself. You see, every individual's history and life is unique. So the insights I gained in my own recovery and the way I had to apply them to various experiences and actors is completely unique to my life. Your personal insight is required to understand how certain realities apply to you personally and not only how they apply but also their broader implications and applications. It also takes insight to see something as more than simply some abstract notion being explained to you. Uh, Insight often comes from meditation and not the kind monks are known for, but mindful meditation, uh, or rumination, you could also say. You see, the objective there is not to clear your mind, but rather to invite thoughts in and maul them over. You see, you take the things you are learning uh, from your accurate education, you pull them into your mind, And you analyze them to try to make important connections between the relationships between multiple aspects of your life. Remember the Rubik's Cube. And finally, the last ingredient in the formula is time. This rumination and these insights that you'll be gaining are not something that is going to happen over the period of a week or a month or a year. It's going to take several years at least. You simply need time to continue educating yourself with accurate information, ruminating on these things and gaining insights. And you also need time 
to begin approaching life differently based on your new understandings of the nature of things such as uh, feelings, self, life. There is a period of awkwardness. You know, you've had default perspectives, interpretations, and behaviors for probably many years. And time is needed for you to settle on what your healthy alternative defaults are going to be moving forward. There will also be a grieving period. And time is required for that as well. Various people in your life will begin to represent different things to you than they have up until now you'll begin to reinterpret various experiences in your past some relationships will have to be ended or or greatly restricted the more insight you gain and the better you begin to more accurately understand all these elements of your life you will see many sad things for the first time that you weren't willing to acknowledge before or that you wanted to chalk up as nothing important And much of this is going to be heartbreaking. You'll look back in life and be able to clearly see for the first time the tragic nature of many events, relationships, abuses, losses, missed opportunities, and so forth. Just like when somebody dies, a period of grieving is healthy and necessary. This is true for recovery, too. But... Also, just as when somebody dies and a person grieves, the grieving period gradually comes to an end and people are able to move on in life. So there you go. That is the formula for authentic recovery. Do you want me to list them again? Number one, hope. Number two, genuineness or sincerity in approach. Number three, accurate information or education. Number three, insight and uh, number five time and that is our discussion today about that and I told you I was going to tell you a story I remember the other day a friend of mine who uh, oh he died years ago but his name was Alan Marshman and he and I and Brian Lambert who you often hear me talk about were best friends. We were a trio of best friends back in grade school. And, man, I just really loved Alan. I, I really admired him. and <laughs> I think I've told you about him before. All the girls loved him, and all the guys wanted to be him. So when I got the opportunity to read the morning announcements on the school's PA system, I was very excited. And... Uh, him being such a close friend it it was hard for us to ever be around each other and not crack each other up laughing and just goofing off and stuff but anyway we we got the uh, privilege of doing the morning announcements at grade school over the PA system for the entire school so we went to the office on the big day and we had a paper we were supposed to read and we said where do we do this they said in the principal's office there we went into the principal's office and because the secretaries and stuff were outside his office uh, talking and making noise and stuff we we closed the door and the door locked we didn't know it locked but it locked 
and we got in there and we didn't know what we were doing so you know we're talking to each other but what what's going on here uh what do we push do we push this button Our, there's the microphone i don't know what to do we, we didn't know what we were doing so we were kind of thinking well somebody's going to come in here eventually and wonder why we're not reading the announcements and then they'll give us some more instructions and so we were fooling around inside the principal's office playing with his things on his desk checking out the stuff in his drawers uh we started talking about <laughs> the school bully his name was larry and uh criticizing him and insulting him and everything and telling each other jokes and just cracking each other up the pa system was on the whole time the whole time everything that went on in that room the entire school heard <laughs> everybody we talked about the entire school heard <laughs> all the orneriness we got into <laughs> rummaging through the principal's desk <laughs> it was all being broadcast throughout the entire school and <laughs> when the teachers finally got in there i mean they were livid livid and <laughs> I, i'm just remembering now that we got banned from ever doing announcements after that i i had totally forgotten that but you know we <laughs> our argument was we didn't know it was on we didn't know what we were doing nobody gave us uh cohesive enough instructions for what we were to do once we got in there but uh yeah that's a true story uh, we got back into the class and it was just we were heroes we were like superheroes for weeks after that because everybody just thought that was so cool that <laughs> as far as i know we were the only ones ever in the history of the school to do something like that <laughs> kind of a cool memory well ladies and gentlemen i hope you have a wonderful thursday and as the weekend approaches i hope that uh, you start preparing for that so you can do something nice for yourself this is brian barnett i appreciate you being here with me this week i hope to see you next week 6 a.m thursday new york time on the dot for this show but i hope to see you see you even sooner for that daily for the daily orange slices published to the last symptom community on the locals platform you folks have a nice day mm-hmm.